Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Now shall we begin? Let's do it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. How you doing? I'm good. I'm excited for this one. I am too. This is going to be a good one. We're finally kind of back on track with Gilmore to Say. We're going to do a season one in review. I have a couple things to start to share with our besties and with you um, before we actually get into it. So... As you know, as our besties know, I met Amy Sherman Palladino at the Emmys a few weeks ago. Your best friend, Amy. Yes. Brett is now on a work trip and <laughs> he texted me last night and he was like, I think Luke just walked by me. And I was like, <laughs> we were talking earlier in the in the conversation about this event that he did for Luke Combs. So I thought he was talking about Luke Combs. And I was like, yeah, what? And then it hit me. I was like. No, he's talking about Scott Scott Patterson. Patterson. (laughs) Scott Patterson walked by Brett and I was like, first Amy, now Scott, who's next? Wait, was was Brett dressed as Luke? I know he likes to cosplay as Luke to work sometimes. (laughs) Yes, inadvertently he does. Um, No, I don't think so. Oh my God, but how funny. I was like, are you kidding me? And then on the topic of Luke, the other funny thing I wanted to tell you is that a couple days ago I burned my... Thumb. thumb yeah I burned my thumb really bad I was cooking and I didn't realize that there was a plate that was right near um the burner like very close to the burner and it was ceramic and I went to pick it up because I had put all my food on that plate Ooh. oh my god I some of the worst pain I've experienced and then you took the vodka and then bottle, I took a bottle the... of vodka out of the fr- out of the freezer because I took it to the drugstore <laughs> yes I did because it was the only thing that would make me feel better. And then I had to go to the grocery store to get ice. And I literally carried the bottle of vodka in my coat pocket. Yeah, The classic. amount of people that probably thought I was an alcoholic, I, it, it was the only thing that would leave me feeling better. I took my hand off that bottle of vodka for even a second and I was in pain. So yeah. luckily we're not there today. This was a few days ago, but... It killed me because I posted about it on my Instagram story. The amount of you that DM'd me and you were like, I'm really sorry to say this because I know you're in a lot of pain. But all I can think of right now is he called me hot plates. He so (laughs) likes me. I knew you would love that because I know how much you love saying that when a waiter like puts plates on the table and says hot plates look at that he called me hot plates (laughs) so I just wanted you all to know that if I didn't respond to you in dms I laughed very hard yeah I love when anything on my story is like even like remotely Gilmore Girls associated or like if I do it on purpose or whether or not I like point it out everyone always catches it oh I love I love it so much so funny yeah I just love that it was prefaced by I'm so sorry that you're in pain but (laughs) Here's a reason but to laugh. I'm going to make the reference. <laughs> exactly. It was great. So those are my two little stories to kick off today's Gilmore to Say episode. Um, but here we are. We're here for season one in review because on our Patreon, we've been doing a season one rewatch and we finally reached the end. We did Love Daisies and Troubadours, which aired on Friday for Super Cool Party People. And yeah. now we're here to talk about season one. Now that we've actually rewatched it, we kind of got really deep into these episodes in a way that 
I mean, I, I have a feeling you feel the same way. I've never done before. No. Well, especially now with season one. Mm. You know I'm not really season one girly. So, like, going this yeah. deep into season one was very new for me. But I do like that we have kind of, like, finished season one in the week of the Gilmore Girls anniversary. Because I know. October 6, 2000 was the day that season one premiered. So, to finish this week just feels so perfect yes written in the stars now another thing that's kind of written in the stars that I just remembered as you brought that up my on this day on Instagram was actually me tagging you in a story <gasps> where you covered your mouth while you were eating because you already knew about my misophonia <laughs> and that I can't listen to people chew anything really yeah I like muted myself yes I was like oh my god she already knows me this well and we barely started our friendship but this was when we were starting to record our episodes like our initial episodes of our podcast that we had originally called written in the stars and um, oh I forgot that is what it was taught yeah called. it was very very different because we were gonna post it, it I think the first episode on Rory's birthday yeah we wanted 8th, we wanted then, to post it for the 21st yeah. anniversary so it's just so funny to come full circle and like to see how far we've come to see how much yeah. this podcast has evolved it's so cool well even to come from like the beginning of watching season one for us because mm -hmm. we posted our first episode on Patreon on April 1st mm -hmm. and that we did the unaired pilot as well as the pilot that day yes and it just feels like we have like come so far together the pod itself I like know. to make it from like our first episode was posted April 1st and then this one was September 30th and now here we are it here feels like so much time are. has passed so let's get into it let's talk let's about get into it. it so season one as we know has 21 episodes it's a little bit different than the other ones that normally have 22 mm. some facts Amy wrote eight of the episodes and directed one which I feel like for a showrunner to have that many episodes written throughout the series I feel like that's not super common to like mm. keep them at that like high level of episodes because she when like when the series is done ends up having like a chunk of episodes that are just hers yeah did she direct love daisies and troubadours is that the she one did yeah. yeah and it was written by dan it's interesting because moving forward you find that Amy directs and writes pretty much all of the bookends of each season moving yeah. forward. Season two, episode one, season two finale, season three, episode one, season three finale. She's usually at the helm both as the writer and the director yeah. of the bookends of a season. So interesting that that was the first one that she directed. And we spoke to this on Friday that that is one of the best episodes in my opinion in the season totally. and it starts to actually feel like the Gilmore Girls we come to know and love because as we've talked about and as I'm sure everybody who's watched Gilmore Girls top to tail knows season one is really where they're struggling to find their footing yeah I, I hesitate to use the word struggle but at the same time after re-watching it it's a little bit of a struggle knowing yeah. where the show goes like they're really trying to find their tone well let's get into like where our rankings were previously because I went back to our episode which is called rankings which mm -hmm. I think we did back in April I forget what date it was but yeah when we did like our like preferred season ranking we mm -hmm. also did like a storytelling one I ranked season one last for like preferred seasons preferred seasons from a like personal perspective rather than a storytelling perspective yes. okay yeah you ranked and it last I, I ranked it last okay you ranked it third for preferred watching okay and then in terms of storytelling I ranked it fourth and you ranked it sixth mm -hmm. I absolutely want to change mine okay I still have it last, 
in terms of preferred after making it through the whole season. I think in terms of storytelling, I want to put it a lot lower. Really? Yeah, because like for the storytelling, I put five, two, six, one, four, three, revival seven. I think I want to put it in the sixth spot where you had yours. Okay. Tell me why. I just, I think after we've like got through it, like to be fair, I really agree with what you had said about the act breaks as we made our way through it Mm -hmm. because you had said, I think at the beginning you had said the act break was at Starcross Lovers, but as we made our way through, we realized there was kind of two Mm -hmm. and it was after Rory's dance that Mm -hmm. that was like the real act break. And then Starcrossed is kind of the second one, Mm -hmm. like if it's happening in three acts. And I really agreed with that. And I really liked that. But I feel like it kind of is like the problem with any show that's gaining its footing in its first season. For sure. But it feels like we were just getting thrown all of these storylines that didn't necessarily connect to the last episode. Mm. That like the way that it flowed felt really choppy. Mm. The storyline just felt like, oh, we mentioned this thing three or four episodes ago and now it's back and now it's like the forefront of the story priority of what's going on here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know I I enjoyed it a lot less than I thought I was going to interesting were you expecting to enjoy it more because we were taking a deep dive and you were waiting for it to like change your opinion yeah honestly because I like know I know you love a lot of these episodes and that it was ranked so high in terms of like your preferred watching Mm -hmm. that going through it with you I definitely appreciate it a lot more but I think in in terms of like me enjoying Gilmore Girls like I've never been an early seasons girl to begin with yeah yeah you've mentioned that yeah and like for the vibe of it I totally feel how like this is like fall autumn this whole season feels that way yeah but yeah I just I think it in terms of like the arc of it the consistency of it just the way that the relationships kind of like fall off come back Mm -hmm. fall off Mm -hmm. don't really feel like there's like a lot of substance to them I I have to put it I have to put it six I understand I totally understand that because going through it episode by episode taking a deep dive talking about it with you and also comparing it up against what's to come yeah which isn't normally how a rewatch podcast goes you're you're kind of just moving as 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 you do if you don't have any reference to what and that's what's so hard about it yeah that we're comparing it up against a series that really does find its footing in my opinion in season two yeah but it did solidify for me how chaotic this season is story-wise all over the place wise character wise don't even like a lot of the discrepancies that people talk about come from season one they're like well in season one they said this and I'm like yeah man these writers did not remember they didn't remember what they said they were just throwing shit at the wall but they do it for other things like we talked about in love daisies and troubadours like you know Paris makes mention to Rory that she's now the editor of the Franklin and she's like how does covering the parking lot landscaping sound well that does come back in season two when Paris gives her the story about the parking lot pavement so like yeah they do bring certain things back they really set us up for Lorelai and Suki to open their own inn yeah. they, I mean they set that up in the pilot but the dragonfly property they set that up real early on so like there are certain things yeah that they do a good setup for like very consistent. general plot lines yes but some things just get so lost and I'm like why did you throw that in there like when when we have that cold open and Rory asks Emily 
for pictures of Lorelai. And she's like, she burned all of her pictures when in love and war and snow, as we know, when Rory gets stranded at Emily and Richard's house, they go through old pictures and there are baby pictures of Lorelai. So it's like, why did you even include yeah. that? <laughs> and, and like that one is like the most confusing one because that one was like such a big plot point in that episode. Then to like start a cold open where you're like, what? Because like, yeah. I understand the one where like they kill Gran, where it was like, Lorelai was my mother. And mm. then, then we meet her because it's like kind of like, oh, well, we didn't say she was... We didn't flat out say she was dead, so maybe we can bring her back and just kind of make joke of it and say, you talk about me like I'm dead. Yeah. But in the one that you mentioned, it had already happened that we had seen the baby pictures. Yeah. So it's like some really weird inconsistencies, because I feel that way with like the love interest, too. Mm. Like, I feel like the way that they like build up Luke and Lorelai, kind of stop them, build up Max, kind of stop them. Then Christopher comes in. Then Chris all of a sudden Max in. is back. Luke is still harboring these feelings. The Rachel storyline is a little unclear, and now we don't yeah. care about her because it just fell off and like we didn't really have enough time to get invested in her yeah I completely yeah. agree and to the writer's it's really credit tangled. it yeah. does take a lot of effort to like build out a storyline especially oh, sure. in the year 2000 television was so different than it is now because we were consuming it in such a different way so oh, sure. they were able to kind of like shift the story and kind of hope for the best that like someone wouldn't remember what happened three weeks ago <laughs> when they couldn't rewatch it, you know? Yeah. Cause like oh, but we, we were did. looking at it through a magnifying yeah. glass at that point. Now we are. But I do think that it does start to take off in a really, really strong direction towards the end of this season where they're setting us up for a really strong season two, because my ranking still stands on season two. And I, I think it will by the end of our journey yeah. down that path. And we'll find out in a couple months, but it's, like season one, that is why I, I ranked it so low from a story perspective is because yeah. I remember not even feeling as strongly as I do now, having watched it with you one yeah. at a time, but having consumed it, even as my, like one of my comfort seasons, I was like, I love it, but it's still chaotic story-wise. <laughs> yeah. It makes me so feel you, warm fuzzies, but it's chaotic. So you still have it at three in terms of like fave seasons? That's really hard for me to say without having watched the rest of them. Yeah. I want to say yes, because it has some of my favorite comfy episodes and we can get into that in a second, but like early seasons is where I, I thrive on this yeah. show. I'll have to kind of move through four, five, and six. I don't even want to talk about seven before I really make a decision on on moving that from a comfort level. You know, no, fair. but for now, yeah. she's staying where she is. I like it. I like I like the dedication to it, despite the chaos. Yeah, and I think that the only thing that will really shift and change is probably where I adjust from a story perspective. Okay. As we Fair. move through it. Fair. Because like I honestly, one through three, I like I said, same. will always be my comfort seasons. They just yeah. will. That's true. Because I think that that's like the thing of like the two of us going through this rather than someone who hasn't seen this before is like mm. my faves have been there since like the early days of Haley. The dawn of time. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, it's kind of hard to like go back to like, you know, being 14 and watching Logan Huntsberger on repeat and like change that now but I can totally see it from the story world I change it I will say that like I'm interested to go through seasons two and three with you but also because I've been going through them with Brett and to be watching it with someone who does have a very fresh perspective on this show it's very very interesting and it has me reevaluating some of the things that I thought when I was 12 13 14 and like started getting really really acclimated with the show and and where the birthplace of my love for the show started um and looking at it through the lens of a 30 year old woman being like oh 
okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but something that we've also talked about before is when you introduce something that you like love to the degree that we love this to someone new who like maybe has like some critiques for it that like you feel this need to like maybe critique it a little bit harder than you would because you're like I want to I want to protect it and me and so I'm just gonna like get out ahead of it totally and over explain it yes absolutely I'm excited to get through the other seasons with you because I know that you love these next oh these next two seasons are gonna be yeah my sweet spot for sure I can't wait but before we do, I want to mention some things that we got wrong as we went through it, and then some of the things that the show got wrong. Okay. One of them being that early on, we didn't know that NC-17 was higher, was a worse rating than Rated R. That was funny to listen back to, because we had thought that Rated R was the worst. Yeah, it's when my, were we talking note. about that? There was, I don't remember what it was, but, oh, it was when, um... Oh, God, I don't remember what the it context was. And was. now I know exactly where it was. It was in Paris is Burning, and it was when Lorelai and Max are talking at the coffee shop, and he's like, I'm the one who started the kiss, and she says, I'm the one who knocked it up to NC-17. <gasps> right. Talking about them kissing in the classroom at Chilton, and we were like, yeah. what is it? What? Is, and I I was with you. I thought NC-17 was um, a notch below rated R. Yeah. It is, in fact, not. And so I'm like, what, what happened were you doing in that in the classroom? classroom? What did Paris see? What did Lorelai knock it up to? Like, <laughs> anyways. The other thing was uh, when Rory was first started walking, she started walking about like 14 months. Mm-hmm. And I had said that's really late. But I talked to my sister-in-law, who is a pediatric nurse practitioner, and reviewed this because everyone in our Discord page was like, Haley, you're wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. Which she was like, no, it would depend a lot of on like her like access to walking her interests her proclivity mm. for it how much mm. Lorelai encouraged her she was like it's later than normal but it is normal still mm-hmm. to like be there mm-hmm. she was like at x date I would probably send her to baby physical therapy but I'd still need to talk to Lorelai interesting okay like, it was like a full explanation but it's normal you know yeah. all the girlies were uh yelling at me for saying that she was a late walker <laughs> when in fact she was uh she was late she to was bloom but she still right bloomed just fine yes, yeah yes. Uh, something that the girlies on the discord page mentioned to you tara was that it's never soup <laughs> i know that made me laugh guys i'm i'm clearly kidding yeah to the people who aren't on our patreon though as we count the coffee cups sometimes when it's we can't tell if it's coffee Tara's go-to is it's soup because one time it was soup (laughs) all I said was it could be soup because you said well what else would it be I said soup Soup. because it was soup once one time it was soup and forgiveness and stuff exactly Um, (laughs) but whenever I I say that nine out of ten times I'm usually kidding (laughs) it's it's now a running joke so to all all the people on our discord who are like Tara it's not soup I'm like y'all I know it's not soup. she knows but also maybe it is it could be. Thank you, Haley. Our soup count is one, though. <laughs> it, is, it is only one. And our coffee count, Haley and I actually took guesses on about, like, what would you say, halfway through our rewatch? Like halfway through. It was kind of like on a whim that we were like, what do we think it's going to be? And yeah. you guessed 63, I guessed 70, because it was just, we were kind of used to the pacing. Mm-hmm. So we were like, this is what it's going to be. But it ended up being. Do we do a drum roll? Do you want to do a drum roll? It was 66. It was like pretty much right in the middle of mine and Haley's guess. So we feel like we both won and lost at the same time. Yeah. Because we said that whoever got closer was going to be the winner, but it was kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. So we're both the winner. 
and the loser the winner yeah. and the loser but like I am shocked because if you had asked me at the beginning of this season I don't think I would have said 66 because the only coffee cups we're counting are coffee cups that are consumed by Lorelai and Rory yeah Lorelai and or Rory that we either see them consume or the scene ends before they've drank it mm-hmm. so that we know that like it's implied that they're going to drink it. Yes. Because there was some coffee teasing in some episodes where they poured it and they walked away from it before they drank it and we didn't count it. So crazy. Or they were making it and never poured it and I was like, yeah. there's a lot of coffee. <laughs> and interestingly, in Love Daisies and Troubadours, there was not a single cup of coffee. none. Zero. Which I never yeah. would have guessed. If you had said to me, will there, re- will there be a single episode in season one where there's no coffee, I would have said absolutely not. Were there any more? I feel like there was at least one other. I can't remember, but like it was because we ended PSI Love and we expected there to be. Yeah, it ended at 66. And I was like, Haley, you're the winner. Get your I was trophy so ready. excited. Play the Rocky theme song. I know. I was getting ready to run around the, the auditorium, yeah. you know, in this episode and be like, like, I'm the winner. Exactly. Um, and as it turns out, we're both the winner, which is exciting because I was like trying to think of like a on pod prize for like the Patreon rewatch winner. <laughs> And I was just like, I'm so excited. What does that mean? What do you yeah. get? What does the winner get? Um, and as it turns out, we're both the winner. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category, including beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, and more. And as you all know, I love shopping through the Rakuten app. Every time I shop online, I always start there to see what the cashback deals are. It's incredibly user-friendly, membership is free, and it's easy to sign up. The best part is you can maximize your savings by stacking cashback on top of other deals because the app lets you know what the store sales and coupons are at your favorite places to shop. Speaking of favorite places to shop, I love shopping Anthropologie's post-holiday sale where they put their clearance on clearance. This year, not only did I get savings on top of savings, but I also got cash back by shopping their sale through Rakuten. Cashback rates are changing daily, so make sure that you check their site or your app to snag the best deals. Start all of your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app like me to start your saving today. Your cashback really adds up. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you outfitted. 
And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. But we're actually going to do our guesses for season two for Coffee Cup Counts at the beginning, which is going to be harder because we guessed about halfway through our Patreon episodes. So we knew the pacing of how many cups they were drinking pretty much like the average per episode. So we were able to kind of gauge appropriately this time. It's going to be real interesting. I know. What do are you, you think thinking? It's gonna get, I think it's going to get higher. Oh, for sure. I think that it took them... It wasn't until... What's the episode where Dean comes over for movie night? Kiss and tell. Mm. It wasn't until then that they really established, like, the junk food girlies, coffee girlies. Mm-hmm. Like, they had been doing that thus far, but I feel like it really started to lean into it. And I feel like now that they have kind of who they want these girls to be and what they want the show to kind of be that yeah. it's going to lean a lot more into that sort of thing mm. so do you think we'll crack a hundred i think so like for the whole season yeah yeah i, I think, think so mm, too oh i don't know or maybe like just shy of i don't know we still we have plenty of time to decide how many we're I, gonna guess because that would be like five cups of coffee per episode would be a hundred yeah just about Ish. yeah or like or like emily in wonderland had seven so there probably yeah, would be emily some in wonderland we'll like had up. seven and then two potential cups of soup <laughs> exactly so i don't know i think it's gonna i oh i don't want to say i, know. I, I don't no, want to say some I'm time gonna, i yeah. just was curious where your mind was at because i've been mulling it over but i think it's definitely going to be more than 66 i was just shocked that it was 66 alone in this season i felt like that was small for a show that really centers around coffee but again they're finding their footing in this season. Yeah, exactly. So talk to me about some of the things that the show got wrong. Like, remind me of well, that. there's two other things that we got wrong. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say wrong. I wouldn't necessarily put this in the same category. I mean this for myself when I say we. Um, it did take me a full season to tell the difference between Louise and Madeline. Do you feel like you're there? I think that 
<laughs> I think that I could easily like identify them because did you notice in Love Daisies and Troubadour I knew that it was Madeline that asked for the for the notes for biology. I did notice that and I was yeah. very proud of you. Silently, I should have said it. But <laughs> I was proud of you. It did take a really long time because in our Discord page a lot of people would put like hints of like how to remember it where they were like there is an L in Louise and there's an L in blonde so she's the blonde one and I was like but there's also an L in Madeline yeah yeah that so then I remember I remembered that one wrong so I was like Madeline is blonde I also feel like Louise is just the name of a brunette I don't know I was why. just about to say that to you I was just about to say I do think that Madeline looks like a Louise and yeah. that's what makes it hard. I don't know why I think Louise is a brunette. And Louise looks like a Madeline. Oh, see, I disagree with that. Really? Yeah. Um, I disagree that the blonde looks like Madeline. But I think that the brunette looks like Madeline But the and blonde Louise. is Madeline. <laughs> Wait, no, now I'm confused. No, the blonde is Louise. But oh, here's what I told you to like keep it straight is that Louise and blonde have, have the, the same, same amount of letters. letters. How did I end up remembering it? I there have was no, no clue. There was something that I had said. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. But ultimately, I think that I can now look at them and be like, I know you're Louise. I know you're Madeline. Really? Though in my mind, I feel like I've just mixed it up. All of this talk about it. Brown, Louise. No. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> well, we tried. Maybe by the end of season two, you'll know. Maybe, maybe. Maybe by the time, you know, we get to Girls in Bikinis, I'll very clearly be able to... Wow. <laughs> so by the time we'll get to the last signing of Madeline and Louise, you'll be very confident that you sort of know who they are. Absolutely. Can't wait. And then the last thing that we... I don't know that we got this wrong, mm. but it was like a strong contingency of people who felt the other way, which is that... In the third Lorelei, when Gran offers mm. the quarter of a million dollars in the trust fund to give to Rory before her twenty first before her twenty fifth birthday, that she ultimately takes it away because of the bickering between Emily and Lorelai. Mm. We then took that to be that Rory is still going to get it for her twenty fifth birthday. It's just she's not gonna get it early. And I still stand by that. I don't agree with everybody who's saying that she got it taken away altogether. That's what everyone said. Yeah, and I don't I, know why people think that. I I completely disagree with that. And I, it was kind of like the only way then to explain how Rory spent a quarter of a million dollars in seven years. Or um, the only other way to explain it is that the writers, like they did a lot in season one, forgot that they wrote that part into the story. That's what I mean. It's like the only way to explain that they forgot this is to be like, she wasn't going to get it to begin with, but I still think she got it. I completely agree. I do not think Gran insinuated that she was taking that money away altogether. No way. Because then Lorelai says you just lost out on a quarter of a million dollars. When she, she says gets off the you bus. lost out on a quarter of a million dollars today. Those are her mm. words. Oh, that's fair. It's today. It's on this day. Interesting. Yes. I want to put this is a poll that I want to put up. <laughs> Remember this, future girlies. I want to put this poll on our Instagram and see who thinks that Rory got the. Tw- the trust fund at 25 and who thinks that it was taken away by Grant because I yeah, think that she got it I think she got it too literally Grant says to Lorelai 
Like I am here to take care of financial business and I have been planning on setting up Rory's trust fund so that she gets access to it at 25. But if you'd like, I can have her get access to it now so she can pay for Chilton herself. Yeah. Taking that away and saying like Rory's never getting the money now, I just think is way too extreme even for someone like Gran. She was there to set up the trust fund. She had it set up so that Rory could get it by the time she was 25. I totally agree. You know, I'm sorry. I just, I can't get on board with that. Also, if she did take it away because of Emily and Lorelai, I move. would be pissed if I was That's Rory. a move. I could have had a quarter of a million dollars, but you couldn't like get along with grandma for, for something long that enough. she didn't do, no. <laughs> but, but yeah. everybody's entitled to their opinion. Sorry if I sound Absolutely. really harsh about that. I'm not trying to shut anybody down. I just don't agree. No, no sparkly heart. It's a there no sparkly go. heart for me. There you go. That's why we invented the no sparkly heart. Yeah, because we still love you, but we think of you're course. wrong. <laughs> Okay. Exactly. So let's get into some things that they got wrong. Okay. Um, I don't think that this is wrong, but it's something that I loved to notice mm-hmm. was the wall with the piano. Oh, my favorite thing to notice. Who's playing that piano? Is it the town troubadour? I think he comes over to, to practice, you know? Mm-hmm. So for those of you who haven't been tuning in on Patreon or those of you who have watched season one, <laughs> those y'all of you who have seen Gilmore Girls. Exactly. <laughs> if not, how are you If here? you've noticed... There is a wall where like that entryway is and there's a piano until what episode? Emily in Wonder. Oh, it's what's before Emily in The third Lorelei. There's like an insinuation that there's no wall because what we talked about was that the camera moves from like that little hallway at the base of the stairs to the foyer and you're meant yeah. to either assume that they've moved through a wall, which they do a lot in television and movies, yeah. or that 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 entryway is now finally there because it's it's there definitely in Love Daisies and Troubadours. But yeah. then in Emily in Wonderland, the wall is back. And yeah, then in PS it was kind I Love, of... it's gone. Yeah. Because we see the arch because when we see Lorelai after Rory's run to the Gilmores. Yes. So it's like somewhere between the third Lorelai and PS I Love, those episodes, the wall disappears and we get the arch that we know so that you can walk cleanly from the living room to the front door without having to go around yeah I love it because I think that that opens up the space a lot more yeah I think that was the smartest move but I just wish there had maybe been a reason (laughs) Luke came over middle of the night yeah that would have been a great reason to hide from Rachel I mean to be fair they changed the entire Emily Richard house in season two it's a completely (laughs) different house so like we just gotta roll with it I wish they would have made a joke about that at the beginning of season two and been like, oh, you, you clean the place up? Mm. Like, just to mm-hmm. something to notice that. But yeah, in the Gilmore do. way, in the same way that, you know, Trick says, you talk about me like I'm dead. You know, not yeah. in an obvious sitcom-y way. Yeah. So then the other thing that's kind of, like, related to this is that Luke's is very, like, you know, clean, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's kind of rustic, mm. as Emily says. But then in that damned on a read, it gets very, very dirty, when Lorelai is like, yeah, you should paint in here. Mm. And it's like they very purposefully made it to fit the storyline, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we'll, we'll give it to them. We'll give it to them. Yeah. Um, also, that we, as we mentioned, they kill off random characters before we've gotten a chance to really meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, they killed off Suki's mom, who is at the baby shower in season six. Is she? Um, oh, that's what people told me. I didn't fact check it. <laughs> By season six queen, you don't know? I don't remember. Well, we're we're, we're going to well, have I, to keep track of well, that. I always, skip, I always skip that because Rory shows Logan the dress she's going to wear the baby shower. And then I fast forward it to when he calls her when he wants to, when they're going to leave and fly to New York. 
Okay. Um, well, we're going to have to keep our eyes peeled for that because yeah, yeah she talks about her mother's, uh, she talks about her famous risotto on my mother's deathbed, famous risotto. Yeah. So, and then Gran dies, you know, mm-hmm. episode three comes back to life, you know, but I feel like there's a lot of throw, the reason that like there's a lot of inconsistencies is a throwaway lines. Mm. It's like the cold opens. It's like these random moments where it's like, why did that even need to happen? We didn't need that. Mm. Um, and then I, <laughs> this isn't necessarily something they got wrong, but it's something that they needed to have corrected, which is that Dean and Lorelai had a lot of chemistry. Yeah, they did. That's something that persists. And I feel like that's something that they could have, they could have fixed that. <laughs> yeah. Let's no, do a I totally second take. Agree. Second take, less, less sexual tension. And then I think the biggest thing that they got wrong, which you will agree with, is that Amy Sherman-Palladino is a very creative person, and she extends that to the use of time. Yes, she does. So, <laughs> the timeline of the discrepancies <laughs> in this season alone were vast, especially yeah. in Paris's burning. Even like, before that's then. That's really started to get rough but tune into patreon episodes if if you actually want the breakdown of paris is burning because it is wild how yeah how much they get wrong but the one that i will talk about the discrepancies in this are much more broad in general rory and dean's three-month anniversary is in star-crossed lovers and other strangers so we are meant to believe that they got together he said dean says it in star-crossed lovers dean says that they got together on her birthday which October is October 8th. And it was the this following Saturday. day, which was October 9th, because that was her like birthday party in Stars Hollow. And he gives her the right. bracelet, as we all know. Oh, you're right. It's October 9th. So he says, three months from your birthday. So we're meant to believe that it's January 9th. It's like the first yeah. week of January. And it's six episodes since Forgiveness and Stuff at that point. And Forgiveness and Stuff is two weeks before Christmas. Yeah. So the amount of things that have transpired, we're talking Paris is burning when Max and Lorelai break up and there's this whole drama surrounding that. We're talking that damn Donna Reed. We're talking Christopher returns. Like a lot of conflict has happened <laughs> in seemingly like over a week. A very short span of time. And yeah. so it just doesn't add up. And to that end, they kind of make it seem like Starcross Lovers and Other Strangers is taking place. Around the time that it aired, which if they had just done one simple thing, they could have fixed it. And that would have been saying that it was Rory and Dean's six month anniversary because that would have put us in the right timeline. But the writers kept treating it like it was springtime because then all of a sudden, four episodes later, it's Love Daisies and Troubadours and Rory's about to break for summer vacation. Yeah. So you're telling me that we went from January 9th all the way to summer in four episodes. No, no, no. So no. that was the that was the timeline discrepancy that yeah. like the biggest one, the glaringly obvious one that I saw. It was like a lot of episodes took place over like I would say a short span of time, but then out of nowhere we basically jump in the timeline if we're being true to the story 
Yeah. And it just doesn't really make any sense. So that was my one biggest gripe with season one. (laughs) Because even, but even episode to episode, they're like, oh, that happened two weeks ago. But what really messes everything up is Friday night dinner. Because it's like, if an episode starts on Friday night dinner and we have another Friday night dinner in the middle of it and go to another one, it's three weeks has taken, have like gone by. But they're like, oh, it's only been a week. But it's like, that absolutely can't be true because the (laughs) amount of times you've seen Emily and Richard in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, they... They take this, like, Friday night dinner concept, which is so great, but it really fucks with everything Mm -hmm. because you're, like, you really have to account for the fact that there can only be one Friday a week. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's just the way the time works. (laughs) Like, in Christopher Returns, because, like, it's, like, when she agreed to paint with Luke, but it was Friday when he got there, but then it started on a Friday night dinner. So it's, like, it, they really need to have had someone be, like, hey, one Friday a week. That's yeah, it. You yeah, just get one. That's you it. can go there multiple times. You can find reasons for that. But there's just one Friday in the week. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So that was my biggest gripe overall with the story. Yeah. And then subsequently, because they weren't on the up and up with the actual timeline, it ended up really confusing some of the relationships that developed, like we were talking about before, like totally Lorelai's relationship with Max and then the buildup with Luke and then Christopher comes in. But then Max is a part of the picture again because she misses him but yeah how can she how miss long? him she only broke up with him a week ago if we're yeah you know if we're maintaining the storyline and then everything with luke and rachel it's just like and like how long has worry been upset about being broken up from dean how long have they been broken up like we cannot yeah. really figure it out and i know in season two Dean says something to Rory in one of the early episodes, and we'll get there on Patreon, where he's like, that was our old anniversary. Our new anniversary is on this day. And I think it's the 24th and then the 8th or 9th or something. And so it's like, okay, were they broken up for a couple weeks? Two weeks? Were they broken up for a a month and two weeks? Like, (laughs) no one knows. So it's one of those weird situations where, like, I don't think that the writers at the time thought, of course, that in 20 years, two (laughs) 30-year-old women would be breaking this down. (laughs) with like a microscope but at the same time television has evolved so much that like these things are really really carefully crafted now that's how we consume television and especially as two writers as the two of us are we're like wait a minute this goes against everything that any screenwriting class writing class ever taught me about like consistency maintaining if the show was still on air i think i would mail all of the writers a calendar (laughs) would you that's nice so i think that'd be my christmas gift to them again all of this is to say that's why we're here we love to sort of like you know dissect the show a little bit doesn't change how much we love it if there's anyone doubting how much we love this uh then then you we promise you missed it <laughs> that is that is not the message no. that we're trying to but send that, that is to say that like you know as we found out the sun kind of sets in stars hollow at 3 p.m it mm. rises at like 5 a.m um mm. so maybe there are two fridays in stars hollow and this is just a fantasy world yeah because at the end of the day it's a tv show yeah and we have to take <laughs> stock in that we just love to kind of like slowly that's what we're here to do because we love it so yeah. much but speaking of loving it do you want to get into our faves, least yeah. faves? Do we start? Do we start with our least faves or our faves? Let's start with our faves. Let's start with our faves. Okay. Now, did you rank them? We have we we decided to do three and three. So, did you rank them one, two, three, or do you just have three faves that all kind of stand? I together? have three. They're holding. I hands. have three faves that are holding hands. Um, Me too. Because I couldn't really decide. Um, I had said in the rankings episode that my favorite episode from season one was forgiveness and stuff, and it's still up there. It is joined Great. hand in hand with 
The Breakup Part 2 and Love Daisies and yep. Troubadours. I love it. Those are two of my three. Okay. I have that damn Donna Reed in there. So I have Ooh. Love Daisies and Troubadours, The Breakup Part 2, and that damn Donna Reed. I love that damn Donna Reed. I know a lot of people take issue with it because of <laughs> Dean talking about how he loves the idea oh of, like, you know, a woman making dinner yeah. for her husband. And, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. But the episode as a whole, between, like, Rory getting dressed up, even though it's a little like cringy yeah. with the message that's the being sent, it. but like her getting dressed up, her inviting Dean over for dinner, taking care of the kitten, Lorelai and Luke doing this whole like potential painting, her singing the painting song, her having Luke come over when she loses the chick, Stella, chick, quote unquote, and then like Suki drawing attention to the fact that she and Luke like each other, Emily doing the same at the end of the episode. Like, yeah. I just I have always loved that episode, even as a youngling. And so I I had to put it up there. It, I, it's still, when I think of season one, uh, most times my my brain goes to that damn Donna Reed and Rory stepping out of that bed's yeah. house. <laughs> Honey, you're home. Another close, close one that I almost put in there was Concert Interruptus, which you know I love. I know. Wait, hold on. What was your two from my top two that was in yours? Love Daisies and Troubadours and The Breakup Part, part Two. two. Mm. I don't think I would have put the breakup part two in there. That was a, that would not have been in there for that me. That was the surprise one for me. I was yeah, I, but I loved that episode. So tell me about your least babes. <laughs> okay. So this was a surprise to me. Okay. I say sarcastically. <laughs> one one okay. of them was a surprise, admittedly. So you said Concert Interruptus. Concert Interruptus is by far my least favorite episode. Is it because of the rummage sale? It's not not because of the rummage sale. It's certainly okay, definitely because of... Okay, if we extracted the rummage sale... <laughs> can't. How would you feel about the episode? It would be lackluster, wouldn't it? If you extracted the chaos of the rummage sale, like if Lorelai was hosting, say, I don't know... Um, a cakewalk? Yeah, a cakewalk at her and home. It was just and everybody everywhere. came. Yes, um, would you like it more? I actually think that would be really fun. Um, just okay. cakes all over Lorelai's house. Uh, yeah. It really is the anxiety of, like, the timing of this, that it's Tuesday, they have to do a rummage sale on Sunday, Rory has a project due on Monday, the girls are there, they have the tickets, like, everything that happens, it's like an anxious nightmare, and I just, okay. I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it. That's all right. That's all <laughs> but right. that's, like, firmly least fave. The other two are kind of, like, hit or miss. Um, the other okay. two are Kill Me Now, mm-hmm. kind of boring, and then this one I was really surprised by was Love and War and Snow. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. Tell us I more. I had thought that Cinnamon's Wake was really low. I had said that in the rankings. I had said Cinnamon's Wake and Concert Interruptus. Cinnamon's Wake, mm-hmm. I liked it a lot more than I had remembered it. I just never watch it. Right. Um, yeah. And then, oh, that's usually one of the first ones I start with, which I, just, I've shared here on the pod before. I love that episode. I love, I love Babette and Lorelai in that episode. Like, I love, it feels I very know. autumnal. I very much, I very yes. much appreciate it more than I thought I did. Love yeah. and Warren Snow. I just found it boring. I was not at all I interested agree. in the max. It's not one of my faves. Dynamic, like I like the vibes. Like I like the I smell snow. Yeah, I love you know the whole like snowy vibe and the magic of and that's a thing. You know Max Medina being there and Lorelai loving that. We love the vibes of the show. You know like the conflict of Luke seeing Max and Lorelai walking through Stars Hollow in the snow is very sad. Yeah. And, oh my like, gosh. Like you know Lane running to Lorelai, but. I agree on the whole. I think the aesthetic of it gets me. The episode as a whole is not really. Yeah. 
this it's the aesthetic the aesthetic could sell me and that's why I thought that I liked it so much because I remembered like the vibes of it but when I went through it I was like I don't really like the storyline with Lane and Rory being like at odds because like they're not listening to each other and whatever or really Rory was not listening to Lane but Lane was being really yeah really intense about everything that was going on I don't know very petulant I didn't I didn't love it so um yeah I made it onto my bottom three what about you um kill me now is definitely in there Paris is burning is another I thought one. that one was going to be I wanted to guess yours I forgot but I, I was going to oh, guess that yeah, for you we should have we done yeah. that oh man season well, two next time. <laughs> yeah Paris is burning and and I told you this when we covered it Brett and I watched that episode and it wasn't until he and I watched it and we watched it before you and yeah. I watched it together and broke it down that we both were like that was a rough episode yeah I think I liked timeline wise it was rough but like it was a rough episode it was hard given the stride we had hit because we just had two really strong episodes. This is the episode after forgiveness. And yeah. Stuff. So it's just to come off of those episodes and have something like this felt just very confusing and a little lackluster. So Paris is burning is up there. Kill me now. I like the wedding in Kill yeah. Me Now. I like when they're dancing, when Patty's got her hands in yeah. the air and she's snapping. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Andrella is there. Rory and Richard bonding, I really like. But it just is... Yeah, like, there are remnants of the episode that I enjoy, but on the whole, it's a boring It's, it's boring really episode. flat. It's really thin. Like, they, they mm. hadn't quite fleshed out the town and the relationships with everyone exactly. enough. Exactly. And then for my third, I was torn between two. The Deer Hunters is one that I like go back and forth on yeah. because I also think it's flat in that same way, but you do get the conflict of Roy being late for her test. You get Lorelai meeting Max Medina. Yeah. You get the fight at the end with Richard, with Headmaster Charleston and Lorelai and she calls him Il Duce. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> but like on the whole, I also don't love that episode because Rory getting into that quote-unquote car accident getting hit by a deer was completely her fault yeah (laughs) she literally stopped to call lane on her cell phone to ask if she left a set of notes at lane's house and then she's just sitting there when she's already late for her test like baby girl this was (laughs) self-inflicted yes so i just get really frustrated there and then the other one that i was torn about putting in there with deer hunters was p.s i love when we broke that episode down the other day I was like this is painful this is boring I think my note for that was that it just kind of wouldn't stop (laughs) yeah and it was just like Rory was cranky the whole time and I was like this is just not I don't like this at all so those are like I really feel firm on Paris is burning kill me now and deer hunters and PS I love I could yeah you know take yeah I think I liked um all of those except for kill me now more than you did I realize. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I don't know why. Cause I, I think I, That's I think okay. I liked Surly Rory in PS I Love because it's like, oh, it's definitely different, but it just felt very out of the blue. Kind of like what we were we talking totally about t- that yeah. this comes back around very randomly. Like she talks about Dean in the third Lorelai when she's helping Paris get ready for that date and she's reminiscing on the good times. But like, she says she misses him. Yes, it's not angry, it's not angsty, it's not depressive. Yeah. And then we have Emily in Wonderland where it's not really mentioned at all. And then out of nowhere, she's just like upset. Yeah. And I get that that's kind of like teenager emotions. You can be fine one minute and Don't not we know the it. next. I mean, that's also woman just like emotions. human emotions. <laughs> yeah. But 
um, that kind of happens with Lorelai in less of a surly way, but in more of like an emotional, wistful way for Max in Starcross Lovers and Other Strangers. She's just come off of everything with Christopher. All of this buildup is going on with Luke. And out of nowhere, we haven't heard about Max in a few episodes. And she's like, I miss Max. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> well, sure. that's what I mean about, I think we mean like about season one in general, though. It's like so chaotic and like things are being pulled yeah, I in never left know and right who's gonna like, who's gonna feel something for someone yeah. in an episode and who's not. And they really, they build a really shaky foundation that they I feel like shake out pretty well in two and three. They oh, like, for sure. No, they recover really yeah, nicely. But it's I agree. It just yeah. Wow. Yeah. So some more of our faves that we are going to share that I'm interested to hear from you. What was your favorite fight and your least favorite fight? My least favorite fight was definitely the Lorelai and Max fight in Love, Daisies, and Troops. Okay. I didn't like it. Fair. Didn't like it. Did you not like it because of the conflict within the story or because of the way it was executed dialogue-wise? Like, what's your gripe with it? I think it's within the narrative yeah. I just was like, why are you guys fighting about this? Like, it just, yeah, it, it was all Max Medina's fault, in my opinion. And it just, because I, I did go back and forth of whether or not I was doing this based on fights as they were executed, like how they yes. were written or how it was in the narrative. And I chose two narrative fights. Um, okay. The least favorite was the Lorelei and the Max. Um, my favorite fight, which is like maybe one of my favorite fights in the whole series, is Emily and Lorelei in Lorelei's Kitchen and Rory's Dance. Ooh. Oh, such a good one. It, like, such a good one. And they, these, Lauren and Kelly act the shit out of that. You wouldn't, that is like a scene that you forget is acting yeah. because it's so. Yeah. When, when um, Lauren starts shouting, no, she's not, no, she's not, no, she's not. Oh, it kills oh. me. Like, I cry every time. Like, even if I just watch that scene on its own, I just start crying. Like, I think it's one of my favorite. Like, if we were to rank all of the fights for the whole series, that would be in my yeah. top 10. Like, Wow. Easily. No problem. Totally. Totally. A good one. What's yours? A really good one. So my least favorite fights, I put two for least because they're from the same episode and I thought that they were poorly executed and they were kind of poorly acted based on the fact that I felt like the dialogue was weak. And these are the two fights that come from Paris is Burning, which is also why I really don't like the episode. The fight that Max and Lorelai get into okay. in yeah. the classroom before they kick it up to NC-17. <laughs> um, that fight to me, the dialogue between them, like, I'm not in class, so don't, I didn't raise my hand, so don't call on me. Like, yeah, I just felt like it was too on the one, nose. For sure. Yeah. I know they were like, Scott and Lauren were trying really hard to like work with what they were given but I was like this fight just feels really forced and very like out of the blue yeah. and I, I don't okay I don't love it and then the fight that transpires between Rory and Lorelai in the stairwell after Paris goes through and tells everybody is also very weird like the energy is very off I forgot and about that one Rory is like well fine well I guess it's time for the rules to change and it's just so like it again yeah. feels forced and I think that's why when Brett and I watched it we were like what is this episode it's just so chaotic coming off of Rory's dance forgiveness and stuff right like fights that feel so raw and real and this just feels like kind of um unnecessary forced drama yeah which I don't know was very necessary the stakes could still be high without that energy infiltrating like comparing that fight in the stairwell in Paris is burning to the fight that they have in the street in PS I love oh 
Oh my gosh, so different. so different. Because the thing is, P.S. I Love, I would rate as like one of my least favorite fights story-wise. Like like within the narrative that I was just so, I was so disappointed in how mean Rory yeah. was to her mom. See, like. But like, it <laughs> felt very real, felt very I, raw. See, that's what's And I know you love that's the That's what's hard for me is because like, I almost put that as one of my favorite fights. Because I was like, I mm. loved I loved it. Like, I just, yeah, like, it was so real. Like, things she said to Lorelai were so absolutely honest about, like, what her worst version of her mom was. I was just like, oh, that yeah. was great. Um, I, I almost put that one. But then I remembered Rory's dance, and I was like, mm-mm. Ooh, so good. So, so good. Um, and then my favorite fight, <laughs> you're going to laugh, I put... <laughs> Lorelai versus New York City and Constantine <laughs> I love the way she reams out those boys. Yeah. And I love the way she just fucking hangs Madeline and Louise out to dry. Yeah. Oh, what a good one. I love Lorelai and the tear in that red walled apartment. Oh, it's so good. good. It's so, so good. So that was my favorite fight. I love. But I love. I, I'm completely on board with the Lorelai Emily fight in Marie's, at the end and of the And I think dance. partly because of the way it comes back in season six. Like, the parallel yeah. to that, ooh, it gets ooh. me. It gets me. I know, totally. So, let's talk about our favorite dates. Mm-hmm. Favorite dates and least favorite dates from season one. Did you have Did you have a least fave? Did you have a fave? Well, I have a fave, for sure. Fave is um, part two of Double Date for Jackson and Suki. I wrote that one down, too. It was so cute. And then, like, the way they just, like... The way that they just kind of like step up, you know, Suki's like, I don't want you to leave. Like, I want to, I want to yeah. be on a date with you here right now. And, and like Lorelai kind of just like lets them be, you know, we've got Luke and Lorelai playing cards. I was like, that's it. That's the one. I didn't really oh, have a so least good. favorite because another fave was Star Crossovers and Other Strangers, surprisingly. I wrote that down too. Yeah. Surprisingly, the, you know, even though it goes off the rails, like Dean planned a really that's beautiful a really... anniversary date. For him and Rory, especially for a high school, yeah. for a 16-year-old, come yeah. on. Yeah, like how many hours at Dosey's Market did he have to work to make this date happen? To afford this. It was, that yeah, was insane. For sure. I love that. I didn't necessarily yeah. have a least favorite. I think that maybe the other side of Double Date was probably one of my least favorite yeah, of like Lane's sure. date with Todd. I was like, oh, Rory. I know, so bad. It was on you to like be like a facilitator, mediator for them getting to yeah. know each other. I feel like. Dean, though, kind of kept them separate. Yeah. Like, remember, he, like, turns her head. Oh. And he's like, don't watch them. Leave them be. Dean. And it's like, no, you guys were supposed to be kind of on a group date. Yeah. That was the whole purpose of this happening. Um, so I agree with that. And Rune and Lorelai. I mean, it's so good. <laughs> it's so bad. Them. It's good. But, like, I'd say my least favorite date, which is also so bad, it's good, is when Emily tries to set up Chase oh Bradford and Lorelai. I forgot about Friday Chase Bradford. Dinner. Oh my God. Oh, is that one it's of my favorites? It's so though? bad that it's good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I love oh, it I and hate it at the him. same time. It's so uncomfortable because he's so good. Yeah. So good at it. Oh, uh, okay. No, yeah, that's like fave and least fave because that is just I know. so bad I know. that it's good. It serves both purposes. Yeah. Okay, so what about your favorite like side character that's introduced? I know we meet a lot of characters in season I one. I actually had that question like, for you because we said like new character and I was like, well, all of them are new. <laughs> all of them are new to us. I was thinking like a side character that comes in that doesn't really end up being a permanent part of the town on the outset. Like, I mean, if I had to choose it would be like Bebet, Maureen, yeah. Miss Patty you know yeah. like it could be those but I was thinking more people that we kind of like get glimpses of but don't see as often as those yeah. people. Yeah I picked Rune. 
Oh, of course. I love Rune. Like, the way that I laugh and double date at everything that man <laughs> says, I'm cackling. Like, I'm I'm living for Rune. I, yeah. Rune, absolutely. Yeah. I wrote down Rune, and then I also put an arrow up to Friday Night Dinner with Chase Bradford. Chase fucking Bradford. Oh, my. That actor is so good at playing the cringiest man I've ever experienced. Literally. I think I would. What would you do if you ended up on a date with Chase Bradford? I would. I like, don't know, and I never want to. That's find like climb out. out the window level shit. Like you know, that's like. And she did. <laughs> and she did. I. She, she really actually did. did. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking more of like in a public setting where you like go to the bathroom and. But yeah, she yeah, yeah, truly yeah, exactly. climbed out the window. No, she truly climbed out the window, <laughs> shimmy down the drain pipe. What about your least fave? Oh, I didn't have a least fave. Oh my gosh, on the mo- that's okay. Spot- on the moment let me see let me think let me think um in review least fave probably someone like todd because i feel like mm, i feel like yeah, he yeah. needed to be someone who was like i don't know him and rich boomfeld should have been one person as we've discussed I agree. um yeah the other person maybe rachel rachel is mine like she was my least fave and I didn't realize how much I really was bored by yeah. her until we watched literally this. that was a huge realization <laughs> for me that I was like it's the actress it's the character the it's written, all of it the whole the whole of it the like the lack of screen time for us to even care about care. her being there the build-up to her was super um random and weird yeah because in concert interruptus they talk about it you know Suki and Patty talk about that sweatshirt that Luke freaks out about being Rachel's and Lorelai's like, who's Rachel? And then it opens up a whole new set of and it's questions because how the hell did you not know yeah, Rachel? Yeah, we're supposed to like, pretend like we didn't, Lorelai would have never have met Rachel in the same way that exactly. Lorelai didn't know Luke for however long she lived there before she met him. Like for like 10 exactly. years, she didn't know who Luke was. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. just, Rachel was it so It sets up boring. a whole new set of questions and a whole new, like, trajectory for how long Lorelai has been there, how long she's known Luke. And they, I've, I talked about this on Plot Holes, that they actually did kind of keep up with that from yeah. that first statement that Patty makes, you know, oh, five or six years ago. And Suki says you were just moving into this house and you had an 11, an 11-year-old kid. So, like, they do keep yeah. up with that to it's a certain degree. And it's not make sense yeah yeah there are a couple uh there's like a year or two here and there that i'm like "Eh." yeah but with rachel suki paints her in concert interruptus to be this woman who would fling herself off of cliffs yeah we said cliff flinging on tuesdays (laughs) exactly and then you meet rachel and it's not that she's not that girl but it's not that she is like she just falls flat on everything they built her up to be and the build-up was so minute that it's like i uh, i don't care I don't care enough about you. I'm not invested in you and Luke. I, I it, it either didn't give us enough time or it didn't give us enough substance. Yeah. I think, you know, we could probably do like an edit together of us saying boring from like the last couple of episodes that she's in. Cause she's just, oh, just so boring. boring. Like I did not care when she left. Yeah, That's another poll I wanted, I wanted to. Cause I feel like pretty unanimously people think she's boring, but I want to find out if there's yeah. any Rachel, like, you know, lovers. Yeah. Adamant yeah, Rachel lovers. Too. But anyway, I'd say she's my least favorite, yeah. like, side character who gets introduced and then leaves us as quickly as she came. Yeah. What about your favorite Gilmoreisms? So I have three. For Gilmoreisms, I guess they're kind of, like, they're kind of just lines. I mean, there are some yeah. that, like, get repeated, like, that I know that you love to notice. But, like, I guess, like, three favorite lines that feel, like, big from the season are you who yeah. hee-haw man. <laughs> Tara, that is that's oh, one of my no. favorite lines from the whole series. I love. Um, Saturday is the day of pre-rest. 
Oh, big I one. Love. And then as we know, I think one of my favorite Suki lines of all time is, um, <laughs> you know what I'm about to say. We just talked about it Yeah, the other she's day. talking about how she has, what's the cure to ennui? Off we. I'm cured. I just love when you talk about it. I love it it's so, so much. Because if like a Gilmore Girls line, like if I could sum my personality and like sense of humor up in a line, it's off we. Yeah. I'm cured. <laughs> so those are my faves. Oh, I love that. Um, my faves, um, I will throw Paris is burning a bone because one of my favorite Gilmoreisms from season one is when Emily confronts Lorelai at the end of Paris is burning about her kissing Max uh-huh. at parents day. And she's like, mom, it was a mistake. And Emily goes, a mistake, a mistake. Is that what you call this? A mistake. And Lorelai goes, well, I tried to call it out, but it would only answer to a mistake. And I die every time. It always cracks me up without fail. And then I'd also say that this is less a Gilmoreism, more just a like a funny, a funny little bit. I love the painting song. I know you do. Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> grab your brush and grab your roll. You know what I thought oh, you were so gonna good. say was um what? you're four. We're four. Well, that is one of my favorite Gilmoreisms. You're, I guess it's more totally of like an right. Amyism. Oh, yeah. You're four years old. Yeah. Yes, that is a total And Amy-ism. the other one that I was gonna guess for you was the amount of times she uses Skippy. <laughs> Skippy. Skippy the hamster. Skippy is the name of the that she calls um, the guy in Skippy. Skippy is what she calls the guy in Concert Interruptus. My favorite fight. Yeah. And Skippy is also the name of the puppy that Paris references. Uh, yeah. Love Daisies and Troubadours, and she's like, "Oh, I hope that wasn't. I hope that your mom's clothes weren't the ones that Skippy had her puppies on." Like Amy loves loves Skippy. Skippy. So yeah, those are my favorite uh, Gilmore. They're good ones. Those are our faves and least faves, but we also decided to do some superlatives, <laughs> and we're not telling each other what superlatives uh, we chose. Yeah, True, truly. Um, the first one that I gave out was a hard decision, was least likely to keep their opinion to themselves. Ooh. This was a tie um, in the yearbook. Wait, are you giving them, or am I <gasps> Oh, them? I thought I was assigning them. Oh, no. I actually wrote them down. I didn't oh. assign them to anyone. I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. We did prepared this differently. Uh, what do you... I know. Who did you think I was going to say? Emily. I was going to have a picture of two people and it was going to be Suki and Emily. <gasps> oh, yeah. So that's the other thing we noticed a lot in season one is that Suki. Advice Suki. It's as like we honesty call her. hour yeah. with Suki every episode with her and Lorelai. But it feels the like same. And we, we lose, lose a lot of that in season two. I think we lose that to build into the Luke relationship with Lorelai. Yeah, you're right. Because that's yeah. something that, like, it's not that it wasn't built up in season one. It just, it just. It didn't build up quick enough. It took a couple... Mm. I think it wasn't until Kiss and Tell that they really hit their stride with all of the characters. And so we had already, like, lost out on, like, seven episodes of them building their relationship together. Um, Yeah. And I think Suki kind of, like, takes a friendship backseat to Luke in later seasons. Yeah, I agree with that. Mine, um, for you, which I I have people in mind for all of these. So we can... can still play the game the same way um most likely to be distracted by a boy they don't really know lane lane but also madeline or louise of course yes and also summer summer tristan's ex ex ex-girlfriend oh my gosh yeah but i'd say like of the main characters Lane. lane for sure we've discovered that lane is boy crazy yeah i love it it brings me i love that for her um me too another one was most forgettable (sighs) most forgettable I mean, Rachel. <laughs> That's who I had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rachel. Yeah. Oh, man. Most likely to run away from home when things get hard. <laughs> uh, both Lorelai Gilmore's. 
Lane as well. Yeah, oh, Lane. And Rachel. All characters in this show, really, except for Luke. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd say Lorelai in general, because that's the premise of the story. <laughs> the other Lorelai, Rory, because she does it in PSILA. Lane Kim, when she runs away after touching Rich Blumenfeld's hair. Yeah. And um, Rachel. Rachel. Who's constantly a revolving door of running away from yeah. things to get hard. Oh, okay. I'd say the creme de la creme of that is, uh, I would say Lorelai because that's, that's the, premise the premise of the, of the story, show. but that's also like Rachel's entire personality yeah. on this. What did they call her? Like that's her, her entire purpose. The anywhere but here the anywhere but girl. here girl. Which I liked yeah. that that came back when Luke, when she was leaving and Luke was like, you're the anywhere but here girl because she self-described as that. And then he yeah. described her as that. I was like, ooh, that's, that's mm. been a been in a fight before Mm -hmm. um most likely to pick you up from the airport luke i put luke yeah Yeah, i totally i think suki is a contender for that because she just literally gave lorelei her car and didn't ask where she was going and did not didn't ask where she was going didn't ask any questions afterwards yeah did not find out she had sex with max medina um was surprised by that most likely to hide their feelings (gasps) Ooh, all of the characters every one of them i know (laughs) But it's like, um, is it? Mm, I want to say, ooh, this one's this one's hard. It is. I want to say Emily and Lorelai or Luke. Emily mm. and Luke. Ooh, Emily and Luke. Yeah. But then you've also got Lorelai, who's afraid to confront her feelings about Max. You've got Rory, who's afraid to confront her feelings about Dean. Yeah. Lane is the only one who really is pretty open with how she feels about everything. <laughs> That's true. And Suki. Suki. It did take her a second, but she was very open about the fact that she liked Jackson. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, but I'm going to say Emily and Luke for those. (laughs) Okay, love. I love those answers. My last one is most likely to not be an adult man, but actually be an orphan in Victorian England. Can I I tell you what my last one was? Because I did four. (laughs) My last one was most likely to step on you. (laughs) So those can go hand in hand. Because the answer to yours is a resounding it's rune. rune. But who do you think is the most likely to step on rune? What do you mean by step on rune? Just like step on? Doesn't Lorelai say that? Like she's like, I'm going to step on rune. Oh. <laughs> it's like step on his foot. Step on while he sleep. Um, yeah. I think Lorelai is the most justified, but I think the most likely to do it. I want to. I think actually, Suki is the most justified to step on Rune. She well, think about all the conflict that's happening. Yeah. First, you've got double date because Suki is like hard pressed to go on this date with Jackson. Jackson says he can't go because his cousin's in town, so they do this whole double date. Yeah. between the two of them, and then like Rune almost takes Jackson away from Suki. Then she says no. Then he stays with Jackson, and we find out in Emily in Wonderland that Suki is like ready to kill Rune. Yeah. However. In Emily in Wonderland, when Rune comes to work at the inn for room and board so that he can get away from Suki and Jackson or so that Suki and Jackson can get them out of his hair, yeah. the one person that I would say wants to step on him the most is Michelle. <laughs> Why did I take a sip of my water right as you said that? <laughs> it was dangerous. <laughs> totally. Suki is the most justified in doing it. Lorelai second. Michelle is the one that's going to do it. <laughs> He's going to actually do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Pick anyone who runs the Independence Inn. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Any of the staff at the Independence Inn and they will do it. I love that man. I love Rune. I don't know why. A lot of people hate him. A lot of our Patreon members were like, don't know why you like him so much because they cannot stand him. But I just love, I love that man. 
I love him as a character. Good. I'm so glad to hear you that. You know who I actually, this is actually a surprise. I need to go back and add a little addendum when we were talking about least fave new character that we got introduced to. I, I hadn't come up with one. I said Todd and Rachel. I don't know why I didn't say Clara, Dean's sister. Oh, hello. Because she is consistently my least favorite character for the whole series. So I know. I should have said her. Well, we just met her at the end we did of just meet her. season one in Love, Daisies, and Troubadours. So yeah. no wonder you forgot about yeah. it. So that was season one. Yeah, that's our season one in review. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was a good season, had a good time. I'm really excited to get to season two because I feel Me like too. I feel like with season one, the, the thing that I kept saying and like whenever I'd watch an episode is like, I have to get through this. Like we're getting mm. through season one. Whereas like season two has episodes that like I'm so excited to watch them and talk about them with I you know. that mm-hmm. like it got to the point where we were just like ta- talking, whereas I feel like. Which is exactly what a podcast is, Haley. But with season two... It is truly what a podcast, you know... It insinuates that that's what a podcast is. I'm really excited to discuss and hear your thoughts and get to some of your favorite episodes and see how we feel. But with that, I kind of want to do a little bit of a prediction for season two Mm. when we get to our season two in in review and 22 weeks from now. Um, Yeah. uh, What do you anticipate your favorite episode being? There's the rub. What do you anticipate your least favorite episode being? The road trip to Harvard. Ooh, okay. Which I think I said in rankings. I can't remember. I'm pretty confident I said that was my least favorite episode. Um, But we'll see when we get there. Yeah. I just finished season two with Brett, so that was a really exciting experience for yeah. me. Yeah. And eye-opening, because I was like, huh, I realized that there were episodes that I hadn't seen in a while that I tend to skip over a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to see when we get there, because I know that you really like The Road Trip to Harvard. I really love The Road Trip to Harvard. But I think my favorite episode, though, is going to be Teach Me Tonight. I haven't watched season two in its entirety in probably, like, two years. I never watched the mm. series as a whole. You know, I'm like a popcorn watcher. I know you are. I am, too. I think, because that's when Rory breaks her arm. Um, <laughs> I know you love it so much, but what about your least fave? I think least fave is going to be presenting Lorelai Gilmore. Oh, also not a not a great yeah, one. So yeah. I'm in, also kind of a boring yeah, one. I'm interested to see if that manifests as such. Okay. So this Friday we're getting into season two, episode one, the premiere of season two, um, mm-hmm. with a really big plot reveal, and that is what is the answer to the question that Max Medina asked Lorelai. At the end of the mm-hmm. season finale. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a cliffhanger. It is. And it's interesting because we had a lot of thoughts, feels, emotions about Max, especially towards the end yeah. of our well season one rewatch. Also towards the beginning as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think we were starting to really like reflect on his really character knowing it. what's to come. Yeah. Because a lot of people in the fandom would argue that he's a very beloved character. They love he Max is, Max. Yeah. Like Max he Medina. is the epitome of what Lorelai should have appreciated more when it comes to her relationships um but he also gives you and sort of me the yeah. and but I did ask in our on our last episode last Tuesday for people to call in with their max opinions because a lot of people really love him a lot of people think he was mm-hmm. the perfect partner but I'm really excited to get into it see what all of our besties said about Mr. Max Medina and we'll have more to say on that next episode mm-hmm. 